Oh, I would actually love to hear your opinions on healthcare in general. We'll probably get into that. Okay. But, <laughs> well, you have a unique perspective, especially with your family history. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully, I won't push you to step on too many toes. No, but I won't. I'll well, be okay. Well, I've been recording you now. Okay. <laughs> 20 seconds in. This is your first podcast ever. Yes. <laughs> Are you nervous? Uh, No. Okay, great. Just t- stop me if I'm rambling or if I get on a soapbox for too long. <laughs> well, um, tell everybody your name and, and what you do very briefly, and then we'll yeah. kind of open her up. Uh, name is Dr. Lisa Pirapato. Uh, I own the Ginkgo Tree Physical Therapy and Wellness. My specialty is female athletes, pregnancy, postpartum, return to activity, um, and working into perimenopause, menopause, hormone stuff like allowing people to get a little bit more information on all the great things about the female body whoa yeah that that's a lot uh yeah I think it's a area of our healthcare system that is very under provided for um which part specifically the postpartum as a female I think of um from adolescence at least uh, for me I was an athlete my entire life and I don't remember anyone besides my sisters talking to me about my menstrual cycle. I mean, I, I'm sure I, my pediatrician asked me, you know, of uh, when I started. But I've been to PT. I've been injured before. And I don't, I've never been asked about that. But um, it makes a difference on how we heal and what we can do performance-wise. And, um, and I just didn't know about it. And then I got on birth control. And then, you know, I've been on that unless I've been pregnant, right? So um, I don't know my body, and I wish I would have been told previously what to look out for, like what to, how to listen to my body, so that when I got pregnant, I could actually take that advice to heart. Because that's Mm -hmm. what everybody says. Like, oh, what should I do? Just listen to your body. I'll tell you what to do. And you're like, I don't know what that means. I've not thought of that before. But you are, like, birth control in particular. Mm Mm-hmm. Is almost like um, scrambling with your body's intuition. Yeah, it changes that. So if you take out a female's intuition mm-hmm. and then you uh, have her grow a baby and you go, yeah, just go listen to your body. Right. They've never <laughs> no. learned how to listen to it at all. No, and, and not only that, but like you're telling me to listen to a body that literally changes daily. Like not just in like my size, right? But the physiology and how much blood flow I have, where is that blood flow going? You know, it's like, um, that was a big frustration to me, I should say during my pregnancy and postpartum, which led me to do more education and go into this realm. Uh, and I was a PT, obviously I'm a PT. So I'm like, Oh, I know who to look for, right? Like I'm going to find somebody who can help me. And I even know how to search for people. And I was still lost. And so I was like, what do women do if they don't know who to look for, right? Like if I don't know, oh, like chiropractors help during pregnancy or there's other PTs that do this or there's specialists. Like if you are not in this world and you don't know, who do you, what do you do? You typically go to your friend who's been pregnant as like, well, did this happen to you? Because it's happening to me. And if they go, yeah, that happened to me, you're like, okay, good, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that's how it happens. I mean, you can probably ask your wife. Like that's exactly what happens. Like, oh, like... I kind of peed my pants a little bit. And then you're like your mom or sister or whoever is like, oh yeah, that happens to me all the time. (laughs) Thank goodness. Like I'm not the only one out. Right. But like, 
unfortunately that message then becomes that's that's normal normal right but it's not and like i just told my client this this morning and she's like in a weight class right and there's other women talking about how they can't jump because they leak right and they just kind of joke about it like they almost like laugh like oh yeah that happens me like when i go to trampoline park and you're like but that's not supposed to happen like you should be able to jump on a trampoline without peeing um, and I had a friend tell me that once and she started laughing and I was like dead face. She probably was like, why are you so serious? I was like, this is not something to laugh about. Like I was like <laughs> dead serious with her. I was like, don't laugh about that. Cause I am like not embarrassed, but I was like, you should realize that that's not normal. Like women should not have, no one should go through their life having to worry about leaking when they're exercising. Right. Like. Should not happen. I think we could end it right there. Yeah. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> you heard it here. Dr. Lisa <laughs> says it is not normal to pee your pants. No. What a revolutionary uh, statement you just made. And it, I'm, it's slightly sad to hear you say that in the aspect that you believe that that is a revolutionary thing, right? Like, why is that revolutionary? It happens, you said it, it happens all the time in my branch of medicine, especially yeah. in functional medicine. Um, we've normalized the disease, mm-hmm. and we've almost, like, tabooed health in many ways. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I'm the weird guy <laughs> who eats weirdly. I, had, I yeah. went over to a friend's house recently, and uh, his wife was nervous because I brought my family over there. And yeah. And he goes, hey, my wife's, like, worried. Do you guys, like, eat normal people food? And I was like, yes. Yes, I eat normal people food. Like, yeah. it's okay. Because yep. they viewed me as, like, I don't know, I'm eating tree bark or something right. and, and raw cow liver. That's yeah. not what I do, by the way. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> but you get, you get what yeah. I'm saying. It's like we've kind of tabooed a lot of the ways that we should be. We've normalized a lot of the diseases that we are or things that are common. Just because it's common does not mean that it should be normal. Correct. And uh, I don't think the healthcare system has helped with that. In fact, I think they've been implicit in that kind of behavior. It's, I, from my point of view with women, I think it's difficult because of just how it's set up in a sense. So, you know, when you're adolescents, you go to pediatrician, right? So, but then once you hit an age, then, oh, do I go to a gynecologist now, right? So, like, you then switch to maybe an OBGYN, or you have a primary or family medicine. So, you might be switching providers, like, as you go through your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I typically, you kind of stick with your OBGYN person for, like, the rest of the time uh, until probably you hit menopause, and then you're coming almost back to, like, quote-unquote, like, family med or internal medicine, right? So... I feel like at least for women, it's hard because you don't really get a continuity of care across your lifespan, right? And unfortunately, I know it was my husband as a pediatrician, I can see the frustrations on the physician's side of how much time do you have, right? So if he has a female come in and asks about menstrual cycles, like he does that, um, probably because I'm know chirping in his ear every single day of my frustrations right but you know he's will spend the time but not everybody has that you might have five minutes and is that enough time to teach you know a 13 year old girl about her body like no there's no way uh she will go to her 
track practice, whatever her coach will tell her, I don't care if you don't feel well, this is the workout we're doing. So just do it. But she should know that maybe it's because her menstrual cycle or where she is at in that menstrual cycle is making her not feel well. And the question is, is that workout, should she even do that? Right. Mm. But she doesn't know that because no one's told her that. And her mom or whoever is her person is all the resource that she has besides maybe two minutes, you know, in the healthcare system, right? Like telling her what she should be feeling. But again, that 13 year old girl could be completely different to the next one, which is females are great, right? <laughs> so like nobody's the same. No pregnancy's the same, even in the same body. So I think it's just difficult on the yeah. female side <laughs> that um, we just change so much and we just don't know. And we don't, we aren't taught to track it. We're not taught to journal or to learn our body uh, early on. So here we are, you know, trying to raise kids, trying to be active in our previous athletic selves. And I, I've never had this body that I have today before in my life. Mm. Right. Uh, your body, you've had it, right. I mean, like it changes, but truly like I have gone through two pregnancies some pelvic surgeries, all these things. So like I, my body today, I have to relearn things and I have to learn this new body and then I have to get used to my menstrual cycles again and all the mm. things right and they're not going to act the same as they were in high school and so it's just um it can be very frustrating being a female with all of our great hormones <laughs> I'm glad you said that and it wasn't me <laughs> no I am right there I think I texted my sister the other day I was like raise your hand if you wish you were male today because <laughs> <laughs> it's a real struggle <laughs> Well, it's so interesting. Um, I had not thought about that it, in that way either. More or less, I'm the same guy that I was in high school. Yeah. I can actually still wear all of my same clothes. That that's I wore amazing. In high <laughs> and I, uh, for any men who are listening to this, that's kind of one of the metrics that I've tried to kind of put on myself, which was uh, peak testosterone for a man should be the peak size of a man is, theoretically. Okay. And so if I can do the right things and insert the right behaviors in my life and abstain from the right things. Hopefully I should never be heavier or bigger than I am at my peak testosterone level. Oh. This is a dumb Caleb theory. I've, this is, this is nothing I've imposed on any patient. Yeah. This Case is, report. <laughs> this is my own body I'm yes. trying to handle. And yeah. it is, I don't want to ever be a larger person than I was when I was 26. I was the biggest I'll ever be. Very cool. And that's just a goal of mine. I have another weird health goal. We'll see if you like this, because um, I see anything from zero to a hundred years old. So I get to watch people decay, which is just fun. Yeah. Uh, I always want to be able to get up off the ground. Mm -hmm. So that's a life goal for me. Uh, so the day I, I die. Yes. You Keep agree? Doing it, hundred percent. So yes. my Do wife it without and I, hands. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there you Challenge go. <laughs> accepted. Core, lower body strength. You got it. You can do it. Well, my wife and I have our bed on the floor for that reason. I got rid of a, a okay. bed frame. Now yeah. it's on the floor. Every day I get up off the ground. There you go. And I'm Honestly, do that till like I die. fall risk, everything. If you can get off the ground, you, you're going to, yeah. This is good news. Yes. Great news. <laughs> All right. We can but get off of Caleb's no, personal no, that's goals. Fine. But I think with the, oh, on your personal goal of like where you were at peak testosterone, like, mm -hmm. Think of that for females. What does it though? look like for the female version? Exactly. Because you are right. Um, the female body transitions post-pregnancy, probably post every single pre pregnancy. Yeah. 
You are a different person each time. Mm-hmm. Medical issues are already hard enough to try to figure out, let alone right. cocooning and morphing your body into an entire different person every single pregnancy you have. What in the world does that look like for women? In <sighs> your opinion, yeah. as a pelvic floor athlete, postpartum specialist. I think it's hard. My perspective that I have always had, I was a sports PT first. So all of my training was athletic training, sports, athlete brain, getting people back, right? What sports so did you play? Uh, I did golf and softball. Okay. Yeah. Um, but through everything I've worked with, a lot of I work with runners um, and like triathletes and all of that. So that's kind of like my specialty getting back to those. But um, but w- I think with that, how I approach it is like we prepare for any sporting event as an athlete right uh why aren't we preparing for birth because you view birth as an athletic event i do i prepare my clients that way because as your body changes um you know second trimester you feel way different than third trimester your body's different and so i look at it as like okay if this is our due date right um let's say the few weeks leading up to that, let's take your body through those positions that you might give birth. And do you like them? Like, you know, if you hate being in a deep squat, please do not give birth in a deep squat. Okay. <laughs> right. It seems so simple, yeah, but as I easy. take, yeah. But as I take people through these different positions, they're like, well, one, I didn't even know I could give birth there. Right. Um, but two, I, like, I hate that position or my body doesn't like that. I can't, relax there or hey but like my left hip has been bothering me throughout pregnancy so hey let's not rely on that to open because your body will probably create the tension there right so all of these things um but I basically prepare them for that so that when they go in their their risk um of injury I should say just any injury perineal tearing anything like that uh is as low as possible right? Just like you would for an athletic event, right? I want to go into that fully prepared. I'm not going to go out and run a marathon if I've never run before. Mm. Or I, I mean, people do, unfortunately, but like I personally would not suggest that, <laughs> right? But you know, I mean, so it's the same thing with birth. It's like, why do we just send these women off and be like, all right, we've been doing this forever. So just like go birth this baby. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that our culture and our society has gotten away from natural birthing to a point to where now we have to prepare for it the way that you're speaking. Because uh, I think a lot of people would argue, you know, birth 100, 200 years ago, mm-hmm. you didn't have to prepare women for it. This was something they, they just naturally were good at. This is what they were raised for. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's a cultural issue is this a, is this an environmental problem that you have to even exist and have a job? No, I believe that we are one. We're very different people than we were before, right? Women weren't running marathons during their pregnancy, or you know, weightlifting, or doing any of these things. Uh, they were meant to birth a baby. Now, as a modern day woman, I would not say my sole focus in life is to birth a baby, but I did, you know, that was my personal, uh, like I, that was something I wanted to do, but Sounds like you had two. I did. I did. Uh, and they were both great children. Uh, pregnancies went great. Births were not my favorite. Uh, I did not have good experiences with either, unfortunately. And I had a lot of complications and all these things, but, um, I don't believe that it's really 
that we're going away from the quote unquote natural birth. And I don't use the word natural really because every birth yeah, can be I natural. Use probably the wrong unmedicated <laughs> vaginal birth is a what most people believe is a natural birth. How about how about we say it this way? Were women more naturally skilled at birth years ago than they are now? I th- I think that was more what I was trying to say. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I can't I don't know if I can answer that question because comparatively our like you said our culture is different, right? Social media drives so much of the knowledge that mothers have today where they didn't have that before, mm-hmm. right? So I think, unfortunately, there are quote-unquote specialists all over the place. Everyone's a specialist. If you're a mom, you special you can specialize in moms, right? <laughs> but like truly, um, of the true education of like, I don't think women actually know how a baby comes out. <laughs> I'm honest. Like when I talk people through like, this is what your baby does. This is like, you know, they slightly twist and then they have to extend their head. And this is why we need this to happen. This is why your sacrum moves all these things. And they're like, Oh, like they don't know how a baby comes out. I was never told. Right. I mean, I don't know if you watched your wife have her baby. Um, I I did. I got to deliver. Yeah. Which is great. Um, but I truly, I don't think like we are not taught that. And I think even going through like birth prep classes, um, they tell you how to take care of your baby, right? They tell you how to keep them alive, how to, um, you know, bundle them up, how to change their diaper, all these things. But I was never told how to take care of myself. I was never told that, hey, like this baby, this is what happens. So if like your left hip is tight, then baby's going to shift and this can happen and then you can tear and mm. all the things, right? Um, and I think a lot of people don't know that, like, just like you have tension in your shoulders, you can have tension in your pelvic floor, Right tension your pelvic floor while you're pregnant makes it a little bit harder for those muscles to stretch, right? And those muscles have to stretch the size of a watermelon to get a baby out. And if you look down there, women, if you ever look down there and you know how small that hole is, it's pretty darn small. Not watermelon sized. And it has to get to watermelon size, right? So it's, um, we, uh, we are not taught about our body pre-pregnancy enough And then we're not taught on what actually pregnancy does to our body because it impacts every single system in our body, right? It's not just musculoskeletal. I mean, yes, I get bigger, but it's not just that. Hormones are changing, relaxing. Things have to happen for, one, your baby to have more nerves, blood vessels, all the things. So who gives them that? You do. So you can't keep a just baseline level of any of those things. So every single system in your body changes. And I don't think none of us were ever told that. Like, hey, you know, you might have this because of this. Uh, you're just hoping that you're the quote-unquote normal one out there in your so, birth as well. So do you add in uh, nutritional counseling with your clients then? I uh, am general with it. So more on the aspect of um, I have like sports training nutrition of um, – but for pregnancy, really, it's just um, just staying healthy in a sense of like, you know, eat the rainbow. The less legs the animal has, the better, you know, just very general rules that like if that's how you're going to, if you can do anything, try to do these few things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And don't be that person who's like, oh, I'm pregnant, so I'm just going to have those extra three pieces of cake, right? Because, like, <laughs> I hate that that's another thing. It's like, oh, just because I'm pregnant gets, uh, like, all rules are thrown out the window, right? Uh, not saying you don't need the extra calories, but, I mean, you are growing a baby, so um, can you give yourself good calories, right? Um, same thing with postpartum, right? Nutrition advice. Told my client this morning, she's like, I can't, like, I'm having a lot of trouble keeping up with my baby and feeding her. So we have to as supplement. As far as milk production? Yeah. And I said, well, you know, are you having snacks? What are you eating? And she didn't know that it takes like 300 extra calories a day just to feed your baby. So if you're back to your normal diet, you still need extra if you're going to produce milk, right? So, um, th- you know, just very general is kind of what I cover with people. If they need very specific, I would highly recommend a registered dietitian or a nutritionist or somebody to kind of make it what they need. But mm-hmm. yeah. So let's talk about, wait, 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 before I get into this next question. Yeah. What were your crazy, weird Caleb goals for females post having baby? What are good goals for women to be at? Cause they're in a new body. Yeah. They're not, 18 anymore with never have gone on the hormone roller coaster that is pregnancy or birth right. control. What are the new things that a woman should be expecting? Because I think a big part of uh, a lot of women's problems is a dangerous category for a man to get into. But I think a big part of a lot of females' problems is unrealistic expectations that are either set by themselves or their culture or their parents or whatever it is. So, what is a realistic healthy expectation for a female who's had a baby one, two or three or however many. Yeah. Uh, so can I say there isn't one? (laughs) (laughs) So the reason why I say that, such a cop out, I know, I know. But the reason I say that is because, and I talked with one of my clients today about, um, so somebody comes to me, uh, I'm, I work with a competitive Ironman triathlete. She is female. Yeah. Female. She is eight weeks postpartum. She has already started running now. She's swimming, biking, and running currently. Now, the level is, of course, very low compared to what she's used to, right? But that is a realistic expectation for her because this is her second baby. We worked together all throughout pregnancy. We prepared for this. We kept her going. We, I screened all the pelvic floor things. We did all the things, right? And so she was like, I feel like I'm ready, and she's ready, and she did great for her first run out, right? So that is very different than if somebody would come to me and say, hey, I'm a firefighter, right? I need to be able to lift 300-pound people out of a bathtub. Uh, what is my, what's a realistic expectation for me to get back to work? Okay, well, did you have a vaginal birth? Did you have a cesarean birth? Uh, did you have any complications? Did you use any forceps? Did you need stability? You know, all the things. Are you sleeping well? Are you eating? Do you have help at home? All of those things uh, are a part of the the postpartum mother life. Equation. Yeah, the equation of it, right? So, like, if you're a single mom who has to work 12 hours, your expectations are going to be very different than the next person. So I can't give a general realistic expectations, but I can say that it will likely be slower than you'd like. Mm. Because you are lacking sleep. It's 
fundamental. I mean, you probably talk about sleep with your patients, right? Sleep is a fundamental recovery of our body. And if you are getting woken up, however many, I don't know how many times you're woken up, right? As, a, as even as the dad, right? Uh, how many times are you feeding a night? Are you having, do you have a fussy baby? Are you getting one to two hours of sleep? Are you getting stretches of four? Are you taking naps during the day? So it's overall sleep is the reason why you're going to heal slower and you're going to get back to things slower than what you would like. But I think that's important. I think you should yeah. say that again. Okay. The so number one, number one thing determinant yes. to returning to where you want is, is your sleep. sleep. Yeah. And if it's not the food, no, it's not your exercise. It's the sleep because I mean, you know, think of if you got two hours of sleep, right? Had a bad night with your kid. Okay. Next morning, you're like, I'm going to, I'm planning to run 12 miles today, but I just had three hours of sleep. Do you think that 12 miles is going to like go really well? well <laughs> I think it's funny. You're assuming I'm running 12 miles. <laughs> okay. Let's two miles. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's not going to nah, happen. No. Okay. All right. So whatever athletic endeavor you want to do. <laughs> Right? It's going to go poorly. It's going to go poorly because you have no sleep, right? I mean, the research shows that athletes need seven to nine hours of sleep for optimal performance. Uh, now, a mom, I consider as if you're active, you're an athlete to me, right? I mean, how active are moms? We're carrying babies all day, right? You, a lot of times we wear them on us. We're doing the dishes. You're vacuuming. You're you know, feeding baby, you're doing all the things. So it's not like you're just able to sleep all day, right? Like the little baby is. So like you are active. Um, and if you're trying to ask your body to do all these physical things on very little sleep, uh, yeah, you're just, it's slow. It's slow. Yeah. Now, if you could have somebody else do everything for you and you could do optimal healing, you could sleep nine hours and do all the things. Guess what? <laughs> Mental and emotional comes into it now, right? So even if you got the sleep, you got higher stress. You're not just thinking about yourself. You're keeping another human alive and fed and healthy. And so uh, the mental load then comes into that. So, yeah. So I wish there was just Thank a, hey, do this. not answering my question. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get a lot from that, <laughs> from me of not answering a question. Because it, every, like I said, every mom is different. Every pregnancy is different. And I really, you know... A female, being a mom and a female and all the things would be so much easier if we could say, yeah, here, do these three things and you'll be set to go. That would be amazing, but it's not realistic. Well, it's, I've never really thought about it or explained it, but my, what I view my job as the interviewer is to try to give you an open road to explain your knowledge because you've done a lot learned a lot you've researched more than most people are going to know about this you've already mm -hmm. forgotten more than anyone's going to know about this that's going to listen to this podcast so my job is to try to kind of open you up open you up and yep. then i try to pin you down into giving me an answer and then we'll open you up open <laughs> yeah you up. so that's what i'm going to keep doing you <laughs> okay can, you can keep shucking and jiving i was going to say go. those answers i don't know if you'll get i i really wish honestly i could give that answer um i think it was a great answer thank you um but yeah so that's the great thing about being a female, though, and, like, working with them, because every person is a puzzle, which I love. <laughs> I'm sure some days you get frustrated. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely those who stick with you, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, whether it's physically um, or, like, things aren't responding how we would like, right? Uh, I take that on. I am just one of those people as a 
provider. Um, I try not to, but it's really hard when you have a passion and you care about people, right? right. It's like, how can I just, once you leave, I shut the door. Like, no, my mind still goes. Um, so then that's how I get in like, okay, researching and doing all the things and learning more and learning from that person and working together. And um, I think it's just really cool to have that team though, to be able to do that when you do get frustrated. Yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you the question I was going to, and then I stopped. So I would love to hear your perspective on healthcare in general, because you choose to do things very differently. Yes. Very differently than the people close to you. Yes, I do. (laughs) I have, um, it's for me. So my business is all cash based. Um, so don't go through insurance at all, which I, um, if any healthcare providers are listening, it's a great route to go. <laughs> um, mostly because I think with the frustration that I have had in a hospital outpatient, like physical therapy setting, is what I want to be able to do with my clients' patients. Um, research or like insurance doesn't always cover it, or it would be a lot to have to sell to an insurance company to show them that this person needs physical therapy. So quite a few of my clients are very healthy individuals and all they are is pregnant, right? But Mm. like under insurance, that's not an injury in a sense, right? But like we just talked about, um, our body changes every day. Now, (laughs) why do we send people after a surgery or an ACL repair? To We actually send them to prehab before they have their ACL repair. And they go to like nine months plus of rehab after that ACL to re- like repair, right? All covered by insurance. All covered by insurance. But you ask insurance to pay nine months of PT for just because you're pregnant? Like, no, not happening, right? So that's my that's my main reason I don't work for the hospital system. And that I do cash-based, so I don't have an insurance t- company telling me and my client, I consider us a team, why would we want someone else telling us what we can and can't do for this woman in front of me? Because PT gets kind of drug around like that? Yes. Um, we are, I would say, are not considered essential individuals in the healthcare system always. Um, I think we're looked over a lot. My goal for somebody would be to have a physical therapist just like you have a dentist, right? I mean, we are truly... As a sports PT, I am an ortho, whatever. We are truly movement specialists. Like, no one knows the muscles and nerves and everything, like the response to activity like we do. No one is taught the same amount as us. An orthopedic surgeon doesn't even know as much as we do because they have one area of focus or maybe two, Mm -hmm. right? Like hip and knee guy or, you know, know, they do ankles or hip, whatever it is. Um, So as a full body system... We are the specialists. So, like, why don't people come to us for things? Um, we don't make a lot of money for hospitals. I know that as my mom higher up understands the business side of it. Yeah, tell everybody about that. Your mom is Yeah, was. so she she works for uh, for hospitals. This is for Parkview. She's kind of worked her way up, started as a physical therapist. Um, now is at, like, VP level. Um of physical therapy or VP of Parkview, period? No, of uh, operations of Southwest. Parkview, yeah. 
um, of like their new Southwest location on Illinois Road. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So she helped build that building and do all of that. And she's fantastic. She has like the business brain. Uh, so I've actually learned a lot from her. Uh, she's amazing. But I. What did she think about you getting out of insurance model? She suggested it. <laughs> so this is something actually when I was like six years old, my mom and I were both like, we're going into business together when I'm older. Um, we're going to do this. And so when I told her this is what I want to do, she's like 100% go for it because it's I, I have free reign of mm. um, my client and I both have we can make the decisions together. We don't have any third party person who has no idea who this woman is telling us what we can and can't do. Um, and I think the other part of it is, uh, I am able to like, you know, go out in the community and do classes and I don't have to go through three people to approve this, right? It's just me. So if I want to go to a gym and be like, Hey, let's talk about the pelvic floor. All I have to do is contact that gym member and be like, okay, done. Right. Mm -hmm. So I like, I can get so much more done, um, that I feel like our community needs without, you know, going through a thousand people and. Um, yeah, so I am in control and I, my goal is that my client feels like she is in control. I'm just there to assist her. You know what you're describing? What? Primary care. C exactly. Yes. You're a primary care physician. Yes. Without the physician. I'm a primary care physical therapist. <laughs> but uh, yes, I, to like, differ. I you're talking to a woman about what she's eating, her position, I, yes. you know, you're looking at her a holistic person. Yes. I know you can call it what you want. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, but that's what I I feel like we need. We just don't like. One hundred percent. Yeah, we need for somebody to go through that. Okay, but okay, but he, here's the economical problem. Mm -hmm. We don't have enough. Correct. We have. I went to Cincinnati and I saw um, Mark King. A lot of people don't know who Mark King is, but. He's the president of Motion Palpation Institute. He's a big mentor of mine. Um, my brother Andrew asked him. I went with Jared and Dr. Oh, yeah. Dr. That's the weekend you told me about. That was yeah. the weekend that I was telling you about. Yeah. So I go there with seven dudes mm -hmm. and just come rolling up on his practice, and we want to learn everything we can from him. He's got a huge practice. He's, he's probably late 50s, early 60s. He's got 13 different doctors that work for him. He's figured out a really good system, really good culture. He's got 60 employees. He's got 13,000 square feet. Wow. He has great. two PTs that work with chiropractor, which is rare, which Jared and I are working together, which yep. is rare. Because chiropractors usually look down on PTs. PTs look down on chiropractors. I and know. They poke each other in the eyeballs Thanks. and they call each other yes. names and it's stupid. <laughs> but my brother Andrew asked Mark, what's one thing you would add to your practice tomorrow if you could? And he said, without blinking, he said, another functional medicine doctor. And the reason... He said this. He said, I quote, America needs 250,000 functional medicine providers tomorrow. Gosh. What he means by it is primary care. Yeah. America needs 250,000 primary care doctors tomorrow because the need for primary care is going up. The amount of primary care doctors is going down. We are at a – this is a dangerous tipping point um, in the healthcare system. And yeah. so I want to know – how do I phrase it? If your max is seeing six or seven people a day, how mm -hmm. in the world are you going to answer the call that's going to be asked of you? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, so I have been asked, like, if I am the quote-unquote 
guru on this, right? Um, because there are very few physical therapists who have the sports and the obstetric training that I have. Um, Which your uh, degree, or excuse me, not degree, your certification in obstetrics yeah. is what again? Uh, so I have the certification of advanced practitioner in obstetrics. So I went through three classes to cover um, like fundamentals, advanced, and intrapartum in a sense. So all aspects of pregnancy and postpartum. And then we also did labs. And then I also had to write a case report. So to get the certification, it does one, unfortunately, a lot of money <laughs> and a lot of time to be able to do it. So not a lot of people go that route. How many and PTs in this town have that certification? Um, I believe I'd have to look. It's So it's different because there are some WCS, which are pelvic therapists, where I am sports, so I'm board-certified sports. So that is I have to do recertification every 10 years. Sure. Right. So if you're a pelvic PT, you get the OB information, um, but typically they are just pelvic PTs, right? So I consider myself, I tell people I'm a sports PT and I treat pelvic conditions, right? But I don't do any like internal I'm still pelvic just here health. in primary care. That's all I know. I'm as you're saying I know. this. <laughs> Anyways, so that's the thing is like, because I have a very unique mixture of these things, um, I... You're saying you're the guru on this. I don't want to call myself that. I have been called that, but I don't want to be the only person. I would love for there to be more of me, right? Because like you said, I know that there's a problem. My goal is to change the culture in that if there is a pregnant woman, rather than going to her friend for advice, she has legit science-backed information to go to. She doesn't have to see me personally, but maybe she takes like a workshop or she can read my blog posts or, you know, there's other information out mm. there because I don't believe every woman needs to come see me. I believe that there are a lot that can do a lot on their own and they don't need that one-on-one. -on -one. They just need more general, like here's some information, right? So, which is why I kind of have the options for like shorter bites of workshops and I'm working on something with the doulas and making like a multidisciplinary education, like online platform as well. So trying to get more of that, but it's a culture change for sure. So your solution of having only one of you is to expand you using yes. technology yes. and group classes. And a um, pay it forward effect, <laughs> right? <laughs> That'd be great. I'm hey, just going to pay it forward. I'm I can teach you this. And you need to go tell all your friends. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I mean, I help out you know, three people, they tell their three people, you know, and then it will just hopefully expand it's, out from there. I hope this doesn't sound offensive, but is, no. is what you know and what you teach women that simple that you don't need a doctorate degree to, to go coach someone on how to do this? Uh, I believe it's very simple, but I also have a very like physics type of brain. So like things make sense to me, obviously. I mean, like, I think I picked my <laughs> realm, obviously that works with my brain. So to me, it's very simple. Um, I think a lot of it is just getting the information out there of like how things happen. They don't need to know the nitty gritty. They don't need to know that they're like, you know, cardiovascular system increases by 27%. You know, like nobody cares, right? They just want to know like, what does my heart rate need to look like? 
what, uh, how much activity should I do? When should I stop activity? When are, when do I need to call like, you know, my OB or whoever, like those are the things they need to know of what not to do. And then they can stay within this little box that we create. Everyone's box looks different, but if they know the parameters of that box, then I would hope that they would be able to just kind of stay within that. Right. I just have to give them that box. But that's why I want them to learn their body before they get pregnant, <laughs> right? So, like, that's where we're going back to that. <laughs> you are yes. going back to that. I know. I don't care what you say. We need more of you. I would 100% agree. I would love for there to be more of me, for sure. Uh, workshop class. This is kind of one of the reasons why we're talking. Yeah. We want to do one of these at our PT clinic. Yes. I would love to do more in person because right now I do them all virtually, because uh, it's just a lot of the education side. But I would love to do them in person so I could not just preach at you, but like truly take you through the positions and do all that. And I think that Jared and I want to be there with you. Maybe even one of the doulas would to try to help coach people, get them in positions. We'll yeah. be there to help help yeah. women get in the right spots. For sure. While you coach everybody. Yeah. All right. Who, yeah. who would qualify for these classes? Who are you talking about? Are these people who are pregnant? People who want to be pregnant? People who've already... Yeah. Like, who so my birth specifically my like healthy mom series is birth preparation, immediate postpartum recovery, and then get back to activity postpartum. So they're like that three. Covers a lot. Yeah. So they're three, they're each an hour long. Um, so they're, you know, for different, but if you want to become pregnant um, and you want to learn more about your body and pelvic floor, I have pelvic floor classes, <laughs> but, um, but I would say for the birth, but like truly I prefer to s- teach people about birth in their last trimester is ideal because you're at the right size in a sense, right? Of what you're going to be when you give birth or you're closer. Is that so the class you want to do with me? Yes. That's what so you want to. third trimester yeah, or, or close late second. to. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then you could take your body through these and know what feels good and what doesn't. Um, because again, you can do stuff second trimester that you can't do third and vice versa. Right. So. That would be ideal. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to ring the bell this week. <laughs> well, I, it would be great. I, I think, honestly, if we got, I mean, just being able to, like, my vision of, like, having multiple women in a room to talk about, like, the birth process, right? And whether they have a planned cesarean or vaginal birth, I think, one, knowing about birth, because even being pregnant impacts your pelvic floor, right? I mean. Um, I would even, hope so. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> So you don't have to push a baby out of there right. to to need to know what your core and everything needs to happen afterwards, right? So however you birth that baby, I think it's good to know what can you do to prepare for that, right? Because I don't just go through how do you get baby out of a small hole. It's what happens like through your rib cage, what happens mm. to your breathing, you know, hip position, all of those things that, and I've talked to the, like the local doulas and a lot of them don't cover that physical aspect which I think is hopefully they go well together then, even if you have a doula, um, that these would be beneficial for you. Uh, for sure. Uh, we've had a doula for all three of our children. Yeah. And this is not a knock on Kelly, but she is so focused on all of the other things. Of course. Which yeah. come with pregnancy. This is what to expect in the hospital. Yep. These are the, like, this is what to expect for home birth. Yep. These are your decisions. These right. are your options. Yes. She didn't have time to go no. through physical <laughs> I stuff. Know. And you see her more frequently even, right? Like For a long time. Yeah. 
Um, she comes and makes a home visit, I think two or three times before the baby, and then yeah. one time after. So imagine that if you had that plus me when I take you through those. Imagine. And imagine you as the birthing partner, husband, whoever, also going to that class and learning what your wife is going to go through, right? I had uh, a, a dad come in and he's like, yeah, we took all the classes. And he's like, but I had no idea about any of this. Like, cause I was like, Hey, like you want to be a part of this birth or not? And he's like, well, yeah. And they're very, this client was very much a touchy feely person. So she wanted mm. the support by touch, which I'm like, great. Uh, so we're going to use him. And so I taught them of like, if your goal is an unmedicated home birth, like use him, like he has the hands and he can add pressure places and he can help you through these areas. He can, you know, coach you through your breath, right? Rather than just like push, that doesn't help anybody. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) and by the way, your uterus does the pushing, not you. So anyways, um, another mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) But like to educate of how can you help how can your breath help with that, right? How can you assist your uterus in pushing that baby out? What can your birthing partner do for you? Um, I tell people, like, if when you are in your most stressful time of your life, like, what do you do to reduce that stress? I am a weighted blanket, nice cello music person, right? That's what I want. That's maybe not what you want, but that's me. I'm like, give me some like nice smoothing cello. Give me my weighted blanket. And I'm just going to like chill. Add a fireplace and a glass of bourbon. You yeah. got me. Well, maybe not the bourbon while you're pregnant. Probably but not that one. <laughs> but uh, yes, I, that's me. So uh, if you know that about yourself, do that during birth. Because what is better? Like it's a truly a nervous huh. system response, right? Huh. So like whatever soothes you. Let's use it. So that's what I do a lot in birth prep is talk about some of those things that you might not realize. So is birth a sympathetic process or is it supposed to be a parasympathetic process? So at the pelvic floor level, it needs to relax. So it needs to be at a parasympathetic level. So, but in the amount of effort that your body is going through, it's a sympathetic response right so the goal what we do during breath which is why you don't hold your breath because that leads into the sympathetic response right mm-hmm. and sympathetic fight or flight parasympathetic rest or digest so we know we're on the right path here but so if you're if you are like hyperventilating or breathing super quick that's going to automatically put you in fight or flight right so what we talk about doing breathing labor breathing versus diaphragmatic breathing they're we're trying to tap into the rest and digest so that your pelvic floor can relax because if it starts to tighten up, we said that little hole, right, needs to get the size of a watermelon. The muscles around that uh, need to stretch. And they're pretty, some of them are pretty thick muscles, okay? I mean, they literally keep your organs in all day, right? So you have multiple layers, right? So there's a lot of them down there. Um, And so you need them to let go, Right. The relaxant works on, you know, at the joint level and getting your pelvis to open, but we can create an optimal environment by decreasing your nervous system response and allowing that to happen. Birth sounds complicated. It is. But it's also very simple. (laughs) Baby comes out. Yeah. Yeah. I found a lot of things are that way. Yeah. The deeper you look into them, the more and more complex they get. And you get to a point where you just back out. Yeah. It's very simple. 
Just Great. just zoom out a little bit. Yeah. This is much simpler than you are are do like stop being anxious about this. This is far simpler than you are making it. Yeah, and I think from the woman's perspective like you said, is it today's culture or not? I think because yeah. of how much information is out there can cause anxiety, right? I mean like all the time. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, is this pain like, you know, zero to 10, 10 being you're having a baby. It's like, well, holy crap, right? Like, why is that my, <laughs> why is that my parameter? Like, that's how bad it is. Like, that's terrible. So can we switch that to the, like 10 being taken to the emergency room? But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but that's, I mean, you probably heard that, right? Like All birth the is the worst pain and it's, it doesn't have to be. It can be, I, my client this morning said, I said, how'd birth go? She was a couple weeks out, two and a half weeks out. She's like, I felt like a rock star. I'm like, hallelujah. Right. Do you like, that's that what I want you to feel commonly. Uh, the people that I have seen through pregnancy, birth prep, and then go through that. Yes. Uh, I have rarely had people come back to me and say that was awful. It would be really interesting, probably hard to prove. Yeah. But it would be very interesting to measure your birth outcomes if you got your hands on somebody start to finish. Yeah. To as opposed to someone who didn't or did minimal Lamaze yeah. class or whatever it is. Right. Yes. I did actually write a case report. It's in the Journal of Women's Health uh, about a client I saw through pregnancy and then up to one year postpartum. And she got back to trail running, CrossFit, and sand volleyball. With no leaking. Correct. So I did write a case report on that. <laughs> so, really? it yes, it is doable for sure. So what does your husband think of all of this? You said he's a pediatrician? Yes, he's a pediatrician. Where does he work? Uh, he works at Parkview Whitley. Okay. He's one of the only ones out there, actually. He's fantastic. Um, he uh, he is my cheerleader. I don't know. He I think he understands the need. I think a lot of what I talk about is, like, way over his head because he's like, if it's not a kid, don't talk to me about it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but uh, he very much values what I do. He's like, I'm just um, dealing with them when they're out. Exactly. You can figure out what happens yes. before then. But I think from his point of view, he, I think it has, it means a lot to me as a mom that he understands when a mom brings in her newborn for their first check, right? That he asks them how they're doing. And I told him it goes a long way. If like, I know that pediatrician is not my doctor. Um, but when I went in and that pediatrician was like, mom, how are you doing? And I'm like, I just want to cry. I was like, thank you so much for asking me. Cause my OB is going to see me at six weeks and then I'm done. Yeah. Right. Like I, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. So, um, well, especially when a baby is breastfeeding, yeah, there's still kind of one person in many, many ways. Yes. And to We're very much connected, ignore the health of the mom would be severely detrimental to the child mm -hmm. to the point to where that pediatrician needs to tap into that yeah. because this is literally their life source. Yes. So you better make that healthy if you want to make baby healthy. To, uh, just tell that to a mom and see what they say, <laughs> right? <laughs> She's like, well, I don't care about me. I'm taking care of my baby. But I think you're exactly right. I think, and that's why I try to teach moms. is like, how can you take care of someone else if you don't take care of yourself? Well, I have seen in my wife and in many patients, it's usually women who do really well with carrying a child in birth. Mm -hmm. They are wrecked breastfeeding. They are in worse shape breastfeeding their children than they were carrying them in their womb. 
their shoulders are more protruded. They have more trigger points to their upper trap. They have more headaches. Their posture is garbage. Yeah. They have a worse time once their baby is out and feeding them mm-hmm. than they even did pushing a baby through a yeah. not, not watermelon-sized hole. Yep. And um, it has been always a dream of mine. I've told I've, – I've been – I'm a – very big dreamer in case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, me and Kelly talked years ago. It was probably before my first child. So my my daughter turns five in June. When is Mine's going to be six for my son. Awesome. Yeah. Um, we have a massive gaping hole with what I call the fourth trimester. A hundred percent. And I would love for someday to be able to take a, take a woman through – Maybe even it's infertility, but fertility, first, second, third, and fourth trimester in a way that encompassed them as an entirety, as a whole, nutritionally, blood work, hormones, positional, athletic, whatever we want to call it, all of that, and have that be like, yeah, I'm signing up to have my baby through you guys, because you offer that service from the start to finish, and what happens during this 15 months is so important for what's going to happen to me and my family for the next 15 years. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I believe. Did you hyped up yet? I know. I've, I'm, it's how much time we have talked about this fourth trimester thing. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm a firm believer in that, which is why ideally I would love to see people like second, third trimester monthly, right? Uh, I do a birth prep. You have your baby. My goal is I do a three-week phone call check-in because in those first three weeks, adrenaline is starting to go down right mm-hmm. your blood is starting to like normalize a little bit but your uterus everything else like the, that size does not go down until like six to eight weeks but like in those first three weeks you're getting like the bearings of what being a mom means right now if i talk to you at that three weeks and i find out your posture is terrible as you're feeding uh we can correct that at three weeks rather than you coming at you know 12 plus whatever and you're like wow my neck and shoulders are so painful, all of this stuff. And you're like, well, if I could have just corrected that at the three-week call, then we could probably, you wouldn't have to be in pain, right? Well, you said it's something interesting to me. You video chat with people and say, show me where you're feeding your baby. Yes. Show me how you're feeding baby. And Show where? me how you're picking them up. What carriers are you using? Are you using a sling? Are you using structured? Um, all the things, right? Because that's posture, like you said. So, um so yeah, three weeks video call, six weeks in person or another video call, and then we, after they're quote unquote cleared, they're healed, right? Uh, can go run at six weeks, and then, <laughs> yeah, we go from there, right? But, um, but I have found a lot of success in that three week call because, one, again, you only see your OB or midwife, whoever, at the six weeks, and that's it. So like six weeks is a lot of time to do things yeah. incorrectly, yeah. right? Uh, what if you're lifting your baby? Like, and you're getting them out of the crib and you're hurting your back and, or whatever. Right. Um, so I think being able to give guidance on that is huge. You spend, you feed your baby, what I think like eight times a day, typically, uh, that can be anywhere from like a 10 minute feed to a 40 minute feed. Uh, that's a lot of time in one place. Now, are you sitting? Are you lying down? Are you on a chair? Are you eating? Are you drinking water? I mean, your life revolves around this baby, right? And the first three weeks are critical um, in that getting used to breastfeeding or formula or whatever you're doing, right? Um, so if I can reduce the bad habits that you 
reta- like develop, then that's injury risk right there. That right? is. That's preventative care, which I am a hundred percent all for. I wish, uh, yeah, and that's our healthcare system. We don't value that. Which is why they don't pay for it in insurance. Correct. Which is why I do cash. <laughs> 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 so see, it's all circling around. <laughs> How do people afford you? Um, I personally don't think I'm that expensive. Um, but truly, actually, in let's look at a traditional PT visit, right? Um. A unit is eight to 22 minutes, okay? Uh, That is what your insurance pays for, okay? Now, an hour visit, which is how long mine are, um, that's four units typically, four to five. Any of those units can be $75 a piece pretty easily, depending on what you're billing. My hour visits are $85 flat. Whoa, 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 whoa. So insurance is paying $75 a unit. They're being charged $75. Right, they right. don't actually pay I, that. I apologize. <laughs> but You're yes. Right. Insurance can be charged $75 a unit. Mm-hmm. Five units in an hour, it could be. Could be, depending on who you go to, yeah. And, oh my gosh. So is this standard PT practice and in insurance? Yes. And how much of that gets written off? Do you have any idea? That's a good question. Um, I would have, I don't know. I think it's probably based on your insurance of what you have. Um, I know that if I go through insurance, uh, not meeting my deductible, my first visit, I think was over $200 out of pocket that I had to pay for an hour. Mine are a little over an hour and they're 160 flat. So and you can get reimbursed though, because it's out of network. Sure. Yeah. I my brother Andrew's an accountant. He's a CPA, actually. Yeah. And so we run a lot of numbers and try to figure out like this is this is, there's this is a multifactorial problem, right? Yes. You, you can't spend three hundred and fifty thousand dollars on med school and undergrad and not get paid three hundred dollars an hour. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy <laughs> because now you bump all of that cost back on to the poor person who needs your help. Yes. And so I'm just torn. I I think everybody's hearing my frustration with trying to see as many people as need be or as possible while giving the absolute highest quality of care while keeping it as cost-effective. Right. It feels like an impossible equation to solve. It is. It's like a Rubik's Cube with 900 sides, and I suck at Rubik's Cubes. You know, I think that feeds in your frustration, I think, is feeding into the primary care issue, though. Right. Because, I mean, I can't tell you how many times when my husband was in med school or residency, they're like, oh, you'll be fine because you're marrying a doctor. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm marrying a pediatrician here, people. They're the (laughs) lowest paid physician in the world. Okay, he's not going into this for the money. Now, I'm not complaining about what he makes. But, you know, I mean, like, that's truly like why, Hmm. you know, someone like you said, like that has those frustrations. And you look at that and you're like, I'm getting paid next to nothing as a primary care physician. Why do I go into that? Like, yeah, I like pediatrician. You know, I like sure. pediatrics, but like, I'm not going to get paid in that. Well, it was a system that designed everything to, to hyper-specialize. Yeah. And that's what they've done. I yeah. mean, you got a doctor who's like, yeah, I don't do elbows. I just do hands. And you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you don't do elbows? It's on the it's same literally attached extremity. To the hand. Elbow bones connected to the hand bone. I know. Remember that song from elementary school? school? Yeah. 
Yes, I know. And the hand guy yeah. probably has a $30,000 a month wine budget mm-hmm. and a basketball court in his, in his house. Yeah, I and I think, the and this is something on the PT side that like, I think it's crazy when PTs are like, oh yeah, I don't treat that at all. And you're like, how can you treat this person then? Right? Like if you don't, like, I mean, now if somebody has a severe like hand injury and I'm like, oof, like I could probably do something, but please go see somebody, you know, that can help you better. Um, Now I am 100%, I think, confident in myself and my abilities to say that. But I also, like you said, you have to be able to look at the person holistically. Like they might have, you know, a nerve injury in their hand, but what if it's coming from their shoulder or neck? And if you don't look at that, how are you supposed to know? Which then perpetuates a lot of the, oh, just have surgery on it. I'll fix it. So you're $85 a visit. Yep, for an hour. And you typically have a pregnant patient see you once a month after they get into third trimester. Yes, that's ideal. Yeah. First and second trimester, they're once every... It kind of depends. It depends on how active they are. So if I have somebody that's trying to like continue running or doing like more of the higher level activities, they'll see me more frequently. Um, Or I'm like, hey, just ask, you know, contact me if you have any issues, but keep Mm -hmm. doing what you're doing. And then, you know, once you're, once we kind of get a third trimester, then I'm thinking like of that athlete, right? We're preparing for race. So that's why I do it like once a month. Yeah, that's cheaper than I thought you were going to say. It's very affordable. (laughs) Well, I think one of the wise reasons the way you've been able to do that is because you've kept your overhead so significantly low. Yes. So that's one of the hard parts about like I, my front desk staff, because insurance is a nightmare. Insurance is always a nightmare. You should probably do cash base. (laughs) Well, Anna comes up to me, she goes, we should just do cash and we should say goodbye to insurance. And I said, if we do that, you probably lose a job. I know. (laughs) Because. Yeah. I don't have to pay a front desk person to do all of the things to bill insurance and to check on benefits and to do all. I don't have to do 80% of my job or the front desk job disappears once insurance goes away. Exactly. And so do probably 80% of my patients because people want to use their insurance because they're paying for it. And so they will seek a doctor who has insurance. And I don't know when that bubble is going to burst, but just like the housing bubble in 2008 and nine, it's going to pop. It yeah. probably will pop in you and I's lifetime. Maybe right. not while we're in practice, but it's probably going to pop in you and I's lifetime. I have no idea what it's going to look like. But y- people no. like you are going to sit back with your feet up and go, <laughs> Yeah, told you so. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can freak out over there. I'm well, $85 a visit yeah. with no overhead. Well, and I think the biggest thing on the cash side is when you look at it and you understand how insurance actually works, like, your, by the time you pay those co-pays and all the things, like you probably just pay for a visit that you'd come see me. Well, that is definitely something somebody, that most people don't understand. And I try to get it across to them. There's a lab that works here in town. It's called anylabnow.com. Or yeah. They're cash only. They don't yeah. take insurance. Right. People don't understand that a discounted lab or a discounted MRI service because we only take cash mm-hmm. is probably less than what you would spend on insurance if you went through your insurance. Yes. Yeah. And that's the same thing for you. Yeah. And I, and when people ask, I think actually one of my friends made a really good analogy of like, I view my, our sessions together in PT just like you would 
care for your lawn, right? So you have homeowner's insurance, yeah? So that covers your home. Uh, but you still take care of the lawn, and you probably pay out a cap, you know, out of your pocket to pay for that lawn, I right? Lawnmower and lawnmower. The gas and you all take that. the time to mow your lawn, or you pay somebody else. That's not through your homeowner's insurance. So, like, technically, it doesn't have to be. You're caring for your body just like you would other aspects, or even like your car, right? Oil changes, not underneath auto insurance, just the big stuff. So, like, why aren't we using our bodies that way? Use the insurance for the big stuff. Like, I'd have surgery, right? Big stuff. But my day to day care. I'm going to put that investment in because if I can put that investment in for the day-to-day care, hopefully the big stuff goes down. I think that you're smart in that or the current existing model. Let's play a different game. How would you fix it? If you were, if you were given a magic wand to fix the healthcare system, <laughs> would you flip that and say insurance is going to start paying for preventative healthcare? sit-ups and push-ups get real popular. Yeah, Healthy food gets real popular because it gets paid for by your insurance, and we disincentivize you to use your insurance card in the emergency emergency room or the the surgeon's office. Would you do that? You know, it sounds so perfect, right? Oh, it'd be but a in the lot practice, it's, lot of, I know. It'd be rough. Yeah, but in the practice, because like I've had one of my clinicals was in an emergency department. So I worked in an emergency department as a PT, I can't tell you how many people came in there and they're like, oh, I'm here for my back. Oh, yeah. How long has it been bothering you? 20 years. I'm sorry. This is an emergency department. Right. Right. Like right. <laughs> emergency. <laughs> Just because it's raining outside does not mean it's an emergency for you to come in here. Right. So like, so in theory, yes, that sounds amazing. Like do preventative medication, you know, like or medicine of like and really focus on that. Right. One, we don't have enough people in the healthcare system to do that. I'll be honest, right? Because there's still people that are going to injure themselves, like have acute injuries, right? Uh, I don't think we have enough of the primary care slash, you know, we just don't have that. We can't, we can't flip the script yet. Yeah. Yeah. There's more money in the disease than there exactly. is in well and prevention. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's like. But the, yeah. but the consumer wants prevention. That's yes. one of the weird things about it. Because usually consumers drive markets. Yep. So the consumer wants a healthier body. Everybody wants that, no yep. matter who you're talking to, whether they have it or not, or whether they're putting that to practice or yes. not. Yeah. Everybody wants quality mm-hmm. rather than quantity of life. Yeah. They want. They don't want to feel like garbage for 15 more years of life and hate right. their th- and want to die. Yeah. So why has that not caught on? Why has not consumer demand not caught on? I think that knowing this from the federal side, the money that goes to our federal government is driven by lobbyists who are driven by money. Who has money? Surgeons and, you know, people that want that healthcare system to stay the way it is. Pharmaceutical companies with return customers. Right. Because that's where they make money is the quantity, right? Um and I truly don't believe that our communities have the knowledge of what like physical therapists can do, what chiropractors can do on a routine basis to help your quality of life. Right. Mm. And because in like, in a sense, it's, we're all like a primary entry into the healthcare system, but people don't know what we can actually do for them and how, even though I am a physical therapist, I am also trained in triaging you to say you are not a physical therapy client. 
you actually need a specialist or you, you are outside of my realm, right? Uh, I think that's something in the healthcare system we need to do better at as providers is to say, I'm not the person for you, but this person is, right? Um, but I, they also need to know where to enter because the entrance is usually the emergency department at Parkview, right? <laughs> like that's the point of entry. So we need to change that, but um, we need to change that by educating the, our community on what are the points of entry. And we're going to start that at Crossroads Physical Therapy <laughs> in three weeks with a class with Dr. Lisa. I hope so. Uh, yeah, so that's the only, I mean, I know we're here, like pregnancy, postpartum, but I think as a general, like, um, that's why as a female, I feel like we are more underserved because the point of entries are so broad and there's no one that can, that usually will gear you towards the right direction. What's the percentage of the population that sees a physical therapist? Oh gosh, probably pretty low. I don't know the answer. I don't know. I, when I was grad, when I graduated, I knew the answer for chiropractic and it was less than 5%. That sounds probably about right. Yeah. It's backwards. Yes, it is. I think physical therapy is pretty awesome, but (laughs) I do too. I both of my college roommates were PTs. Yeah, they are PTs. They're, I mean, they're great. I think, and it's crazy what we can do. I mean, we're trained in wound care, uh, amputations, neurological conditions, uh, vestibular, uh, balance, uh, geriatrics, pediatric. I mean, like it's literally we cover the entire life spectrum and anything that can happen to your body, there's a PT who can help you. You just need to know how to find them. Do you get this all the time? You're just a physical therapist? Yes. I had somebody tell me the other day that they're like, I basically do what a PT does. I'm like, you have no idea what a PT does. Who was it? (laughs) I don't want to say. What was their occupation? (laughs) What was an occupation? What was their occupation? Fitness instructor. Woof. (laughs) Uh, so, you know, and I know from the outside, it, my job looks easy. I hope it does. I hope it make it, I make it look easy. That means I'm good at what I do, right? Like if you, if I could say, oh yeah, I could do what you do. Well, good. I made it look easy for you, but you have no idea of the, of what goes on in my brain as I'm explaining this, right? Or even as I'm explaining it to you, I'm explaining it to you in non-anatomical terms, right? I'm explaining to you physics, which is a concept I have concepts in my brain, but this concept of the, I have to know every possible muscle and nerve and blood vessel and where they are. Because if I do dry needling and I hit that blood vessel or nerve, you're going to hate me, right? So I have to know where all of them are. (laughs) So like to the nitty gritty, I know all of that. It's all stored in my brain. So it is a little (sighs) insulting when somebody tells me that they can do what I do without the time and money and passion that I have for what I do. One of my favorite stories. I'll tell you real quick. I have no idea if the story is true. <laughs> I, I don't, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a good story. <laughs> what the story means is true. Yeah. So again, I don't know if it's true. Henry Ford creates the assembly line, creates this machine that makes the assembly line move for the first time ever in history, right? The machine breaks. He doesn't want to hire the guy who built the machine because he's too expensive. So he's got mechanic after mechanic come in. They can't figure it out. So finally, he gives in. He calls the expensive guy who created it. He comes in. He tinkers around, pokes around for 10 minutes, hands Henry Ford a bill for $10,000 and walks away. Henry Ford goes, no, I am not paying for this. You tinkered for 10 minutes. I'm not paying you $10,000 for 10 minutes. The guy takes the bill back, scratches out $10,000 and wrote $10 for tinkering. 
$9,990 for knowing where to tinker. Exactly. And that's what you're trying to say. Yeah. Yes, it is. I think that's a very good point. Um, because, yeah, it is from the outside. It it doesn't look like we're doing a whole lot besides making you move, right? Yeah, but you know where to poke. I do. Um, and I think that's the uh, what we talked about even with birth is that it's a complex process, but it's easy, right? So when I explain this to people, like, this is what birth is, but yet this is what I want you to do. They're like, well, why? And I'm like, well, do you, how like how much do you want me to talk about this? <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> because this is tight. This is not moving. This is this is how you breathe. This is how you move. This is your preference. Like all the things, right? Um, I mean, I'm I have a sticker on my computer that says I'm silently analyzing your gait because it is like that is how my brain works. Mm. Like I'm just everything is being cataloged to then come up with the end result. Like I don't just pull these exercises like out of nowhere, right? I have a catalog of thousands of them and then I give you what you need. Now it can be very general, right? Because general sure. exercise is great. Sure. It's fantastic. General exercise and time is a lot of times will solve most body musculoskeletal issues. Well, because a lot of things pattern themselves. Where yeah, you're like, of okay, course. this I, I know what works here with this. Yes. And we make it simple. Yeah. I do a similar thing. Um I have assistants that help get my patients from the waiting room and put them in rooms because yeah. it was another thing that helped me be efficient Yeah, and I could see more people and not lose quality of care. Yeah. I don't let them get my new patients because I want to watch how that person gets in and out of the chair. Yeah, I want to see how they carry themselves. Are they slumped over? Do they smell like cigarettes? I, w- I would like, yeah. I want to know all, all of it. Mm-hmm. And it starts from the day or from the moment you walk in my front door. Yeah, And so they don't know it, but I'm judging them as oh, soon of course. as I say their name. <laughs> It is. I mean, you're, yeah, you're cataloging everything because all of that is going to tell you what their overall health is, right? Yeah. Can you look me in the eye? Can you shake my hand? Yep. I, all is going into my calculator of what am I yep. going to do with this person? And how do I approach this person, yeah. right? Like, is this a person that you can immediately tell, like, they're a little closed off? Like, oh, I'm going to have to, like, pull it out of them. Or is this somebody that's going to tell me their whole life story? Am right. I going <laughs> to, you know what I mean? It's like, do right. I start with open-ended questions or closed-ended <laughs> questions? It's all a thing. Um, but yes, I think it's, um, I, th- I think that physical therapy is at least what I do. Something that is what we do every single day. Right. And people tell me, you know, like you said, people have been having babies since the beginning of time, but I don't think that where we are currently, we know enough about our own bodies to mm. be able to do it ourselves. So I like, why not have another coach? I'm just a coach for people. Like I don't do the work for them. I don't birth their babies. Right. Um, but I just assist them in being as optimal as possible. That's what we're looking for. Right. For sure. Yeah. Just being optimal. Well, I hope we're going to work together with this group class. I hope I can convince you to work with us. (laughs) We'll see. In a deeper capacity. (laughs) I think it's going to be very difficult to get you out of the situation you're in. I know. You got a pretty sweet thing going. I do. It's going to take a lot. <laughs> I'm going to try to convince you. I got to figure out what but you <laughs> want that you don't have and I see think, if I can offer. But it. honestly, I am the type of person that I would love to, even like you said, like cl- the classes of like workshops, even being able to collaborate and reach the community more in that sense, like that, that fuels my passion and that... Uh, in a sense, gives me a sense of accomplishment in that we're making a difference, right? Even if it's 10, 12 people at a time, 
um, like I said, not everybody has to come to me personally. Um, but I think just being able to do that and right now I can do that all over the city, mm-hmm. like through different avenues, right? A wellness center, a gym, a, you know, yoga studio, whatever it is. So that's what I love is that I can reach different people through that. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to be able to help you there because I don't know how many women we have that are pregnant right now, but yeah. it's not less than 12. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we can figure this out. This way we can do multiple. Time. I mean, yeah. So I'm trying to do something every month virtually so that because there's no season of pregnancy, right? Pregnancy happens all the mm-hmm. time. So, all the time. Um, so you can't really time these things. So I'm trying to do like quarterly to be able to like have that information out and then um, – yeah, develop something a little concrete. What do you usually charge per class? Uh, an online virtual class is $40 for an hour. How about in person? What are you going to charge for the people who come to Crossroads PT? Yeah, I think depending on how large the class is, I think we talked about maybe like if we're like around 10 to 12, um, I probably would keep the price around the same because I still have to cover the same amount of material, but it would be more of like, as I'm covering the material, we'll just be in like a lab setting. What if Jared and I get 25 people to come? <sighs> I need a lot of hands-on help. <laughs> now, if we could get some doulas in here, I think that'd be great. So then we could have a, um, to be able to see that as well. And um, and even have the doulas see what I do. Because I'm hopefully going to attend some of the, their classes as well if it matches up with my schedule. So that we, you know, because I feel like we need to cover all the things. Like you said, you guys cover uh, with your doula, but also like physically what we can do as well. I got some doula friends. We can make it happen. I know. I know. Yeah. The doulas are great. They're fantastic. So, um, they're all about helping our community too. So I think if we're on the right path, we just, what does that look like is how we have to figure that out. A lot of these people I work with have a collective goal. Yes. How to reach it looks different with each person. Yes. One of my favorite things is doing it with other people who are doing it differently. Yeah. But we're all driving the car into the same direction. Yeah. And it's uh, it's, it's what doctrines I feel like is supposed to be, as always intended to be. Yeah. Was holistic, um, personalized, tailor-fit care that doesn't do any harm, that sits down and listens and tries to get to the root cause of an issue. Yep. I mean, let's not make it more complicated than that. Exactly. <laughs> Sounds pretty great. <laughs> Dr. Lisa, thanks for coming on. Tell everybody again thanks, what's yeah. your uh what's your website handle? How yes. do they get a hold of you? Uh so the ginkgo tree um is my website. Instagram, Facebook, the ginkgo tree PT. Uh a lot of people spell ginkgo incorrectly. So it's I actually ginkgo. So G-I-N-K-G-O. Uh not with a gate with the G in front. So uh anyways. You can find me there. Uh, email me questions. I'm all about it. I'll post it. a link to Love your helping. website on the post yeah. that I make for this. Yeah. So I'll reach out if you have anything. But Thanks for coming on. Thanks. <laughs>